How you doing today? The second service awake this morning? All right. Hope you got here early and got your coffee and you're ready to go. Open your Bibles to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. I want to get right into God's Word today. Really are glad you're here and I want to echo what Ann has already said. Thank you to everybody who served yesterday. And if you're visiting because of Back to School Bash, we're really glad you're here. Jump in with us. Do life together. God's doing great things in people's lives here at the Bridge Church. Just want to say, a couple weeks ago we had a connecting point, which we have like every other month, to introduce new people to the church and what we're doing. And out of that we had over 20, I don't know, the exact count but 20 some people say yeah i'm in i'm partnering with the church so we just thank god for all of you who are making a difference at the bridge church thank you so much Let, let's pray this morning okay father we open our hearts to you to hear from you we want to hear your word we ask you to speak into our hearts clearly father take the words that you've given me and make it personalized to every person in this place that we hear your word we understand it and we respond to it today in jesus name amen now, this weekend has been a, a great weekend. This is our, you know, back to school bash this weekend. Uh, this is our last big event of the summer. We've already had kids summer day camp. We've had youth camp. We had a special youth event this summer. A lot of things happening. And then back to school bash. And in a few days, the kids all head back to school. And we get ready to launch into the fall. In September, we start, we kick off connect groups. We kick off man-to-man. We kick off bridge women. Everything starts in gear again. Summer break is over. And I'm excited about what God is doing. But today, I want to share something that really defines this weekend for us. And it really talks about the bridge heart and the bridge vision. You know, here at the bridge, we're really about two things. Number one, connecting people with God. And number two, connecting people with people. Everything we do, it fits into one of those two thoughts. And today I want to share a message entitled Living in the Middle. And I think as we look at two stories from Luke chapter 10, I think you'll begin to see a picture of what we feel God has called us to do and what his word says about not just us as the Bridge Church, but what God's Word says about us as the followers of Jesus. So let's get into God's Word. Luke chapter 10, go down to verse 38. Now it happened as they went that Jesus entered a certain village. And a certain woman named Martha welcomed Jesus into her house. And Martha had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. And notice the difference here. It's Martha's house. She welcomes Jesus in. And as was usually the case throughout Jesus' ministry. Everywhere he went. If he went into a house. People jammed into the house until it was full. So Jesus enters into Martha's house. And Martha is serving, preparing for all the guests. And her sister Mary goes and sits at the feet of Jesus. While he speaks and ministers and teaches. Now look at, if you would at verse 20. I'm sorry, verse 40. But Martha was distracted. Look at that word. Martha was distracted with much serving. And she approached Jesus and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. Now you see the picture here. Look, I'm doing all the work. It's my house, but my sister won't even get up and help me. She's just sitting there hanging on your every word at your feet. Tell her to get up and give me some help. Well, the story's not over yet. Look at verse 41. 
Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha. How many of you know when God calls your name twice, he's got something to tell you? Huh? <laughs> it wasn't like, hey, Martha. It was Martha, Martha. It's like using your middle name, you know. This is serious. You need to be listening to this. Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. And finally, verse 42. But one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken away from her. You know, this is a story that many of us know, and it's, it's a story of a conflict between two very different sisters. They're wired differently. They see life differently. Different things are important to each of them. They're very different from each other. But I think most of us as believers identify with this story. I think as I read these verses and then as I share the next few moments about this story, I think you'll see yourself in the story because all of us are wired in a certain way and some of us here in the house are wired like Mary. We're wired in such a way that we love to sit at Jesus' feet, we love to worship, we love to hear God's word and we think everybody else should feel just the way that we do about it. Now let me illustrate this to you. There's some of you here today, you could go to church seven days a week. You could come in and sit down. We could worship for two hours and it would never be enough. We could sit and preach and teach all day long and it would never be enough. You know, when Jesus entered into houses, sometimes he taught for hours. How many of you are ready to leave already? Think, oh my God, how long are we going to be here today? See, some people are like Mary. Man, I could sit there seven days a week and just sit at Jesus' feet and worship and just take it all in and hear the teaching. Wow! But then some people, and, and, and the truth is, if you're wired like that, you think everybody ought to be that way. But then there's some people who, who are wired like Martha. We're wired in such a way that we love being busy doing the work of God's kingdom and God's house. If you look at Romans 12, where it talks about the way God wires us with giftings, you know, there are some people who are wired to be that way. But then there are some people that they've got that gift to serve, and they've got that gift to lead, and they can't sit around for long. They said, man, get that message finished in 30 minutes so I can get up and put it to work and do something with it. They're wired that way. And the problem is those who serve and are running 90 miles an hour and wanting to stay busy, they think everybody ought to be that way. And that's what we see here in the story of Mary and Martha. But, you know, Jesus gets drawn into this drama between these sisters because Martha comes and says, Jesus, talk to my sister and tell her to get up and do what I'm doing. Notice what Jesus said. He said first to Martha, Martha, you are distracted and troubled by so many things that you are missing the value of this moment. You know, sometimes we get so busy serving God that we miss the time we need sitting at the feet of Jesus. Many years ago when I was a young preacher, I was sitting at a table with a group of other preachers and there were a couple of very seasoned ministers there. And one of them, a very well-known minister, looked at us younger guys and said, let me tell you something, don't ever get so busy with the work that you don't have time for the walk. 
You need time to sit at the feet of Jesus. Everybody needs it. But then he said to Mary, now Mary, one thing at this moment, one thing is needful. Literally it says one thing is necessary, one thing is of utmost importance. And Mary, you have made the right choice. Now remember, I'm talking today about living in the middle. I'm going to show you a balance here that God wants us to learn. But stay with me for a moment. Some of you think, well, man, I'm over here. Get to the next part. I'll get there in a minute. But for those who are over here, let me show those on this side something that you need to see. We will not grow if we don't learn to sit at the feet of Jesus. We will not mature if we don't learn to sit at the feet of Jesus. We will not become everything God wants us to be if we don't learn to sit at the feet of Jesus. Let me go one step further. We will never explore all the riches of God's grace if we don't learn to sit at the feet of Jesus. Everybody needs to learn how to worship, how to hear the word, how to receive it, and how to apply it to your lives. We need this. We need it. But you know, as you look at this story, I think there's more to it than what we sometimes read in. Because I don't believe Jesus was saying that Mary's choice in every situation is the right choice. I believe Jesus was addressing the moment. And in that moment, worshiping and sitting at the feet of Jesus, hearing his teaching, what was, was what was of utmost importance. Mary got it. Martha didn't seem to get it. Now let, let me put it in perspective. Mary and Martha... The other people in the crowd, their brother Lazarus, who isn't even mentioned here, they understood the weight of the moment in the sense of Jesus is here. What they didn't know was Jesus would only be with them for a few short years, three years of ministry. They didn't realize that Jesus is already in the middle of his ministry and he's moving on towards the cross. They didn't get any of that. Mary, I'm sure, didn't understand all of that, but her heart said, every chance I get, I'm going to sit at the feet of Jesus and just soak it in. Jesus said, that's good in this moment. But let me turn it around and go to the other side for a couple minutes here. I think it's also important to realize that there are moments when serving is the need of the moment. And just like some of us miss these moments because of how we're wired, some of us miss these moments because of how we're wired. And God wants us to learn to live a life that's balanced where we live in the middle. You know, I've talked with our children's pastor, Jeremy. I've talked with other people in different areas of the church. I know in the past we've had people who come and serve in church and go home, never come into church. I've told our workers, our, our leaders, you need to make sure that those people are scheduled in such a way where they have time to come and sit at the feet of Jesus because they need it. But some of us never get up from Jesus' feet and never put our hands to serve him. Everybody smile at me this morning. Say, yeah, he's, he's talking about my, my buddy over here. Not talking about me, he's talking about that guy over there. Let, let's look at, at something else here. Stay with me. Uh, you know, I think many of us consider God's house and we think it has to be one way or the other. Either we sit at Jesus' feet or we serve. And we tend to do whatever fits our personal wiring. And we never consider what God's called us to. And I'm going to show it to you in just a moment. See, I believe God's called us to learn to live 
in the middle. Now, go back in Luke 10. Go back to verse 25. I'm doing the stories in opposite order, but these stories run back to back because there are two different lessons here. And I want to look at the second lesson now. Look, if you would, at verse 25. It says, And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested Jesus, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, What is written in the law? What is your reading of it? Or how do you understand it? And so he answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said to him, you've answered rightly. Do this and you will live. Now, let me, let me pause here just a moment. Remember, at this time, it's still intact, old covenant. Jesus has not yet gone to the cross and finished his work. And Jesus tells this man, you're right when you say that all the commandments of God are wrapped up in two things, loving God and loving people as yourself. That's what Jesus is saying, okay? Now, let's, let's move forward. Verse 29, but he, the lawyer, wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus answered and said, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. How many of you know what it is to be half dead? Anybody know what it means to be half dead? In the original writing, to be half dead means you're half alive. Okay? Somebody said, that's stupid. That's okay. I can be stupid when I want to be, okay? <laughs> Left him half dead. That, that statement has always intrigued me. Left him half dead, okay? Verse 31. Now by chance, you know, how bad did you beat him? Well, we didn't kill him, but we got halfway there. You know, he's only half alive. Verse 31. Now by chance, a certain priest came down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Then likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked, and he passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, now Samaritans were people who the Jews hated, and the Samaritans hated the Jews. The Jews considered them to be half-breeds. They weren't pure people. They worshipped differently. Their, their picture of God was different, and the Jews considered them to be lost and away from God. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion so he went to him and bandaged his wounds pouring on oil and wine he set him on his own animal brought him to an inn and took care of him on the next day when he departed he took out two denarii he gave them to the innkeeper and said take care of him and whatever more you spend when i come again i will repay you here's what jesus asked verse 36 so which of these three do you think was a neighbor to him who fell among the thieves the lawyer said, well, he who showed mercy on him. Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. Now, let me walk you through this story quickly and show you the other side of this picture. This lawyer comes to Jesus and knowing the law, he says, what do I have to do to have eternal life? And Jesus said, well, how do you understand God's word? Love God, love people. He said, okay, you're on the right road. You're moving the right direction. But then this lawyer takes the words of scripture and he asks Jesus a question and here's where I want us to settle for a moment he says okay so I gotta love my neighbor as myself who then is my neighbor who then 
is my neighbor. This part of the story always intrigues me because literally what the lawyer was asking was then for whom must I take responsibility? Who is it that I have to love by myself? Define neighbor for me. Here's why it intrigues me. It intrigues me because here is a lawyer. Everybody say lawyer. And this is not a, an attorney joke, okay? So I'm not, I'm not going crazy with this today. A lawyer is looking for a means to circumvent God's law. This guy who's supposed to be all about the law is trying to find a personal way around it. Who is it that I have to consider my neighbor? I think almost what this guy is saying is, well, who is it that's worthy of my help? It's quite a question. So Jesus tells the story about the Good Samaritan. And I want to I put it in modern day language because here's what I see here. Jesus said this guy gets beaten, robbed, beat half to death and left in the ditch. And along comes the priest and says, ooh, ooh, I'll be sure and put him on the prayer chain. And along comes the worship pastor. <laughs> ooh, ooh. Be sure and tell community care about that guy. He needs help. <laughs> Aaron, I'm not picking on you today, okay? You look nice, okay? Your hair looks nice. No holes in your jeans. You look good today, okay? <laughs> but I want to I show you something here. Along comes this Samaritan. He comes by and sees him, and what does he do? Scripture says he has mercy on him. In Scripture, when you see the word mercy, usually it comes from a word that means to be actively compassionate. Not just to feel compassion for the guy, to be actively compassionate, to reach down and do something about it. Scripture says, Jesus told the story. He goes to him, he begins to bandage up his wounds, begins to pour oil and wine to bring healing and antiseptic to his situation, puts him on his own animal and walks into town, leading the animal, carrying this guy, takes him to an inn, keeps him there for the night, helping him physically, ministering to him physically with his wounds. And then he has to leave the next day on business, so he pays for the innkeeper to take care of him and says, I'll be back in a few days. If there's anything more that you need from this, I'll pay for it then. And then Jesus asks the big question. If you were robbed, beaten, half to death, left in a ditch to die, which one of these guys would you hope to come along? I ask you that question today. Which one of those guys would you want to see? I think most of us would say, well, the guy that's going to help me. That's the point. See, Jesus is telling this guy, okay, okay, so you're all about the law. Love God, love God, love God, and, and I'll try to do the neighbor thing. Can I tell you something? It's easy to love God. But it's hard to love some people. Okay? Everybody knows somebody that's hard to love. If you don't know somebody that's hard to love, you are the one that everybody else has a hard time loving, all right? That's how that works. 
And I'm just telling you the truth. If you're oblivious to that problem, you are the problem, okay? All right, that's not what the sermon's about, though. But Jesus is trying to show this guy that there are two parts to knowing God and walking with God and learning God's ways. There are times we need to sit at his feet and just soak it up. But once we've been fed and we soak it up, Jesus said, take it out to people who are in need and give it to those who are in need. We need to learn to live somewhere in the middle. It's not just about loving God and sitting around watching Christian TV 18 hours a day. It's not just about that. Oh, I'm in heaven 18 hours a day. I hope you make it to heaven because God said there's another part to our relationship with Jesus. Oh, I was afraid that was somebody booing me. That was a kid crying. (laughs) She's not disagreeing. She's agreeing. She's just, oh, hallelujah. Yesterday at our back-to-school bash, there was a, a pastor visiting who came to see what we were doing. N- not from the Rock Church, from another church. And he, he came with his children, and he hung out for a while. And his kids wanted to go play in the bounce house. And I love this story. He said, I went out there, and I let my kids play in the bounce house, his daughter and his son. So I was out there quite a while. He said, it's 100 degrees out there. It's hot. And he said, man, I'm like, hurry up, kids. I can't stay in this sun. It's so hot out here. He said, but the whole time I'm there, I'm watching this guy, this volunteer who's working with the kids at the bounce house. He said, he's talking to him in the line. He's keeping an eye on the bounce house. He's talking to the kids. He's asking them about this. He's engaging them. He's keeping them all interested, keeping their attention while they wait their turn. Then he's getting them in the bounce house and getting them out of the bounce house. And he said, this guy's just got all this enthusiasm. And he said, he's doing an amazing job. And he's out there for hours in that 100-degree heat. And he told me, that guy is amazing. You need to keep your eye on him. Are you with me? If somebody beats me up, leaves me for dead in the ditch, you know who I want to come along? That guy working the bounce house because he will take care of me. Some of you will pass by and pray for me. Some of you will put me on the prayer chain. Some of you will give me a community care card. But send me somebody who can help me. Hey, I like you guys. First service didn't clap when I said that. I really like you guys. That must have been all the people sitting at Jesus' feet, okay? The servers must be in this service. And you know, not only that, not just that guy, but any other of the 290 volunteers who were here yesterday, send them if I get in trouble because I need somebody who can help me, not somebody who can watch me lay in the ditch, okay? Now, having said that, I think what Jesus was telling him was, The idea of loving your neighbor as yourself is not about trying to find a neighbor who deserves your love. It's about you becoming someone who sees a need and meets the need and then they consider you their neighbor. Finding someone in need and helping meet their need. Well, how do I do that? I'm going to tell you something. On your everyday path of life, you you pass people who are laying in the ditch and they're looking for help. Reach out and get actively compassionate and help them. Let me ask you a question. I asked myself this question as I prepared this message. 
If I'm walking down the road and I run across that guy, what do I do? Am I a priest? Am I a Levite? Or am I a Samaritan? What would I do? Ask yourself, what would I do if I ran into that situation? And then answer the question, why? Why would you do what you do? Would I respond with active compassion or would I look for a reason, an excuse to say, well, he's not my problem. He's not my responsibility. He's not my neighbor. I don't even know the guy. Let somebody else take care of it. See, I think it's part of God's will for us that we learn to see people as God sees people. That's a part of the change God's trying to make in our hearts. That's why we sit at Jesus' feet. It's not just to build ourselves up, it's to understand his mission, that he's given it to us as the church, and he wants all of us to carry a part of that mission. He's given us natural gifts, he's giving us spiritual gifts, so we can get involved in the mission and make a difference in people's lives. But first of all, I have to be willing to get up from my place at his feet and get my hands dirty, because I'm going to tell you something, sometimes ministry gets dirty. You don't do it wearing latex gloves. Getting in people's lives can create a mess. Yesterday as I was here, I I walked around the building two or three times. And every year when we have back to school bash, I always do this because it's amazing to me how many people will come and stand in line for an hour or two in a hundred degree heat to get a backpack for a child. See, most of us would say, well, I'd never do that. I'd just go buy the backpack. That's because you don't understand that some people are in a place of need that you're not in. And I walked around the building yesterday, and it just so grabbed my heart. And I listened to people comment on it. You walk around this building, and you see a picture of society. Red, yellow, black, white, large, small, old, young, all kinds of people. Man, I I saw people of every race and every background. I saw one guy tatted from his head all the way down to his toes. And he's there standing in line with his kid to get stuff for his kid. And I just walked by and greeted him, walked away saying, God bless him wherever he's at, whatever's going on in his life. Bring his heart to you. But you see, we can't just pray for people. We have to be willing to reach out and try to meet them where they are. In Matthew chapter 20, Jesus asked his followers a question. And I want to ask you today the same question. Jesus said, do you want to be great in God's kingdom? Do you want to be great in God's kingdom? Let me ask you, okay? One-on-one, everybody, just you you and me talking, I'm talking to you. Do you want to be great in God's kingdom? He said, here's how you do it. Serve people. Become a servant. Learn to meet people where they are and give them what they need. Well, I don't always have what they need. Then you be the guy that gets them to the end, to the innkeeper, and pay somebody to take care of them. Get them to somebody who can help them beyond your help. Be the one who initiates God's process of restoration in their lives. Jesus said, you want to be great? Serve. Then he said this, do you want to be first? Now, I know we're all humble. Oh, no, I don't want to be first. Yes, you do. 
I've seen some of you get on the freeway, cutting people off to get in front of the line. I've seen it. We had a guy who used to come to church here. You know, I was at this intersection one day, and there's this one lane where people sneak into. They're not supposed to be in there. They sneak into this right lane, and they speed up and try to pass everybody and cut everybody off, do this double yellow line. This dude did it. So I used him as an example on Sunday morning. And his wife told me the next week he quit doing that. Now, I know none of you would ever do that. Jesus said, you want to be first? You want to be first? Jesus said, become a slave to serving. Give your life to serving. God's called us all to sit at his feet. But he's also called us to a life of balance where we also learn to serve and help people. We learn to love God with everything we've got. But then we learn to try to give that love away to people who are hurting. You know, we do, we do back to school bash, no strings attached. We want to bless people. Years ago, we had a pastor friend, has a very large church, not too many miles from here. And they have a great community care program. And we, we heard him teaching one day, talking about this, and we asked him about it. We said, man, you, you reach thousands of people every week with food and clothing. How, how did you do that? And they said, we started out going door to door, giving away rice and beans. We didn't have much, but we gave away what we had. And what we learned was, God taught us, if you will meet people's physical needs, when there are people who are looking for spiritual help, I will send them to your church. And we watched that guy's church on an average Sunday have over 100 people get saved every single Sunday because they were feeding people with no expectations and God was sending hungry sinners into their church to find help there. It's the balance of the two. It's the balance of the two. Jesus said, you want to be great? You want to be first? Serve. In, in conclusion, the highlight for me yesterday, there were a lot of highlights, but I think the biggest highlight was to watch our volunteers. I didn't hear one complaint from a volunteer all day. Not one complaint. Only thing I heard from people was, wow, this is awesome. Wow, this is awesome. Now, you do the math, okay? We gave away 1,700 backpacks. Parents had to be with the children, or at least they had to be, the children had to be there, and we didn't have many little kids, especially. Have very few students without parents. Just do the math. Multiply that 1,700 times at least two, maybe three. We had several thousand people come through here. We were able to bless them. You know why we do that? Because that's the balance of what Christianity is. God's not called us to live on just one side of it. He's called us to learn to live in the middle. What I saw yesterday was no complaints. People just here imitating Jesus, meeting the needs of other people. How do you, how do you learn to serve? Some of you think, man, that, that sounds great, but how do I learn to do that? Can I just tell you the easiest place to learn to serve is in God's house? With other people of like faith, reaching out together. Not just this church, any church. If it's not your home church, that's okay. Get involved in church. Serve somewhere. I promise you, it'll bring reward and blessing into your life like you've never seen before. Learn to serve. God's house is a great place to start. 
If you're here today, you've listened to this message and you thought, wow, this is, this is good, this is good. I don't really understand all of it, but it's good. Or, or maybe you're here and you're thinking, wow, that, that's great, but I don't really know God. I'm not really a church-going person. Maybe you're here and you've never committed your life to Christ. Maybe you. But can I tell you what the Bible says? The Bible says that Jesus himself said, I did not come to be served, but I came to serve and give my life for your life. To be a ransom for many is literally what he said. Jesus said, I came to pay something that you owed that you could never pay in a thousand lifetimes. The only way you could pay your debt of sin was to die and be dead and dumb. But Jesus said, I came to pay, to pay a price for you so that you could have all of your past washed away and you could become a part of God's family. Jesus said, I came to serve you. Frank, can I tell you something today? If you've never opened your heart to Jesus, you don't know what life's really all about. There's so much blessing he has for you, so much goodness. He wants to change everything that's wrong in your life and make it right. He wants to turn everything for good. That's his desire for you. But he needs your permission. He needs you to put your faith in him and say, God, I'm in. Come into my life and change everything. I want to pray a prayer today, and I want to give you a chance to open your heart to Jesus. The way we do that is with words. We call it prayer, but it's just words. It's talking to God. I'm going to pray a prayer, and I'm going to ask everybody here to pray this prayer with me, and it'll help you open your heart to God. So if you would, bow your heads and close your eyes. Everybody in the house, pray this with me. Say, God, I need you. I give my life to you. I open my heart, and I say, come in. Change everything. I accept Jesus as my Savior. And I choose Jesus as the Lord of my life. Teach me your ways. Fill my life with your blessing. I want to learn to follow you. Thank you for loving me and receiving me from this moment forward. God is my Father. I am His child. The last part of that prayer, God is my father and I'm his child. That's who you are now. God has accepted you. I want to do something today. I, I want to help you begin your relationship with God. When we're finished here in just a couple of minutes, there'll be prayer teams here at the front of the building. When we're finished, these teams are here to pray with anyone for any need. And I'm going to tell you something, God answers these people's prayers, I promise you. We hear stories all the time. But if you just walk down to one of these teams and say, hey, I made the decision to follow Jesus, we've got a little booklet we want to give you called The Next Seven Days. It's a simple little tool. It's just a little bit of reading for each of the next seven days the next week to get you started understanding how much God loves you and how he wants to be involved in your life, all the blessings he has. We want to put this in your hand, no strings attached, nothing else. If you just come to one of these teams and say, can I get the booklet, we'll give it to you right here, no strings attached. Now, if you want prayer or you've got questions, they'll help you with that as well. If you just want to get the booklet and go, that's fine. Also, if you're in a big rush today, just before you leave the building, right in the center section of the glass doors as you leave, there's a table set up there with the big sign. 
It talks about beginning your walk with God. You can get the same booklet there. Just walk up and say, can I get the booklet? You can get it there. Again, no strings attached. We simply want to help you get started walking with God. Can we put our hands together and welcome new believers into God's family today? God bless you. That prayer and that decision today is the most important decision you make in life, but it's not the end of the journey. It's just the beginning. So let us help you start that walk with God. It would be our honor, okay? Hey, have you enjoyed being in church today? It's been a good Sunday. Talking about living in the middle, I want to encourage all of you to take God's word, put it to work where it fits in your life, and I guarantee you, God will bless you for it. Thanks for being here today. Have a great, great Sunday, and we'll see you next week. Ooh.